two Barclays analysts. One hot topic, all sides explored. This is The Flip Side. The Flip Side is a new podcast series featuring lively debate between two Barclays research analysts, taking opposing viewpoints on timely topics of importance to economies and businesses around the globe. Welcome to episode 12 of The Flip Side. I'm Jeff Melly, the head of research at Barclays. And today we're going to debate the wisdom behind the U.S. Federal Reserve's decision to cut interest rates at the end of July. This was the first rate cut in over a decade. The last one was in December 2008 at the height of the financial crisis. We're going to debate the merits of this move. Joining me today is Michael Gapin, our chief U.S. economist. He's going to argue that the Fed's decision made good sense. I take the position that this cut was a mistake. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So yes, I, I do uh, believe the decision was the right move. I'm, I'm quite supportive of the Fed's decision. I think the outlook has increasing downside risk. I think it's supported by the data. In fact, I think you could make the case they should have done more. Well, I just don't think that this cut made sense right now. The Fed's risking its credibility along a couple of dimensions. Some of them are economic, but some are also political. But before we get too deep into whether or not reducing interest rates right now is the right call, Let's talk about how the Fed justified the decision. Right. So my take on this is the Fed raised rates in 2018 with, with the premise on several core assumptions about the economy. One, would that global growth was going to remain stable. And the second is that inflation would accelerate given the strength of the labor market. And, and third, trade tensions wouldn't severely worsen. All three of these have proven incorrect. Global growth has slowed, led by China and Europe, but we've also seen some of this in the U.S. as well. Inflation remains below the 2% target, and markets' expectations of future inflation have fallen. That means the Fed's concern that actual inflation will also fall further. And finally, trade tensions have reemerged in a big way. So the Fed characterized these cuts as a little bit of insurance against downside risk but also a recalibration of monetary policy to support inflation. All right. Now, just to be fair, the Fed had no way of knowing that the latest round of tariffs, the ones that just got announced by the Trump administration on Chinese goods, was coming. Nor could they have known about the Chinese response, um, where they devalued their currency somewhat, which obviously has caused a lot of volatility in the stock market. Um, They couldn't have known about the Treasury's declaration of China as a currency manipulator. All of these trade tensions are actually subsequent to the Fed's decision on rates. That's true. That's very true. But I think the result is the same. Nonetheless, the Fed believed that interest rates were close to neutral at the end of last year. Neutral rates mean they're at a level where, where they're neither expansionary nor contractionary. But it looks to me, and I think it looks to others, like that assessment was not correct. Interest rates were too tight. At least some of the hikes last year were likely a mistake. Now, I think it's important to acknowledge that None of these issues have really affected the U.S. domestic economy yet. We're not talking about a response to either an imminent recession or an ongoing recession, which was obviously the case the last time the Fed was cutting rates in 2008. The domestic economy is doing fine. Yes, uh, growth has slowed somewhat as the effects of the tax cut wear off. So that's expected. There was some big stimulus around the tax cut. That only lasts so long. Um, It's starting to fade. But we're still growing over 2% a year, which is pretty healthy uh, for, for, for the U.S. economy. Labor markets remain healthy. The average consumer is in good shape. I think, as you said, this is really an insurance cut. It was a move to forestall potential implications for the U.S. as opposed to a a response to to immediate ten, you know tensions or, or or constraints that we're feeling right now. 
That's right. And I think the way we have to think about this now is that lower interest rates stimulate the economy in the same way, regardless of, of motivation. So I think now we have to turn to thinking about you know, what are the channels through which interest rate policy works. And I, I think we can point to, to four, and, and I'll start with two. So I, I think first and the most widely known would be the credit channel. Lower rates reduce the cost of borrowing. It can get people spending on things like cars and washing machines. Lower mortgage rates can lead to some refinancing activity. And lower interest rates can also support business investment and hiring. I think a second channel that we can point to is the confidence channel. So seeing the Fed lower interest rates, while it still takes a positive view on the economy and where the U.S. economy is going, it could improve business confidence. So, for example, lower interest rates would be one way to counter the negative effects of tariffs on business confidence. As you know, and you mentioned, the U.S. announced it would impose additional tariffs on China beginning September 1st, though, as you're correct to note, the Fed didn't know this was coming when it met in July and took its decision. This is the exact type of action the Fed would be taking insurance out against when it lowers rates. You take preemptive action against unforeseen developments. Okay, so there's two other channels that interest rates work through. One is wealth effects. Uh, That's uh, where lower rates tend to increase the value of stocks and bonds, as well as home prices. So people have more money, uh, their their sort of net worth goes up, and that may induce them to spend more money. Uh, That supports household spending, which is, you know, a huge part of the U.S. economy. About 70% of the U.S. economy is is consumer spending. Um, And the fourth channel is... That, that monetary policy works through is, is through trade. Um, so basically, l- lower interest rates in the U.S. reduce the value of the dollar relative to other currencies. Uh, that's because dollar-denominated assets would pay lower interest rates and therefore become less attractive to international investors. Um, that could be beneficial to the domestic U.S. economy because it makes our exports cheaper relative to overseas goods, um, and it raises the price of imports here in the U.S., both of those uh, price changes support domestic production. Right. So those are the four channels. And I think there's a case to a greater or lesser extent, depending on each channel. But I think every one of these channels is applicable today. And lower interest rates from the Fed can support the economy through all of these channels. I actually think that there are challenges to each of those channels. And I think we could take each in turn um, and, 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 and try to dissect them. So let's start with wealth effects. Uh, those, to me, are the least compelling. When these cuts were announced in July, this this rate cut was announced, the stock market was already at all-time highs. And even after selling off somewhat in, in the advent of, of all these trade tensions, it's still up substantially for the year, extending a rally that's now really 10 years long. I'm not convinced that pushing stock prices up further is really going to stimulate further spending. Wouldn't the first nine years of the stock rally have already gotten people to spend their money? I also think that if we keep pushing stock prices higher, we're actually risking a bubble. So it may have some short-term benefits. Sure, consumers might feel richer in the short run. But if we push stock prices too far away from fundamental value, then we, we may be exposing ourselves to an even more stark correction once, once we hit an end to the cycle. So I would agree that, that this is probably the weakest channel right now, given elevated valuations and how long uh, the equity market rally has gone and improvement in home prices have, have, have gone. I think it was certainly much more important in the immediate aftermath of the crisis, but I would disagree that it's, it's risky. Sure, valuations are high and they're elevated, but I think, again, it's, it's different than a bubble. 
corporate profitability is high. And that's a, a big reason that stock prices are where they are, and, and bond yields are, are very low. So the, the relative price of stocks is definitely not in bubble territory. So 10-year Treasury yields are now well under 2% and approaching 1.5%. And it may be the case that there isn't too much to gain from wealth effects, but I don't think they'll hurt. And I think any bit of added support helps right now. All right. So the trade and currency channel is another area where I'm skeptical. The U.S. is a large, relatively closed economy. Exports are only about 15 percent of, uh, of GDP. So any real boost to the economy would have to come from a major depreciation in the dollar, which seems very unlikely, particularly since other central banks away from the Fed are also cutting rates at the same time. So while, so, so while the Fed cut in isolation may l- reduce the value of the dollar, if everybody cuts rates at the same time, then the relative change in currency prices is likely to be more limited. Right. And again, I, I would just counter a- any added momentum in an economy with 2% growth shouldn't be ignored. But I, I do admit that this may be more of a relative story in, in terms of limiting uh, the movement in the dollar. Other major economies are also cutting rates. Uh, we've seen it this week. They're likely to do so in the future. We expect it out of, out of Europe. Um, and other economies are permitting their currencies to devalue or at least threatening that, like China has done recently. I mean, I think that in the end, if the U.S. economy continues to expand uh, and it continues to be a bright spot from from the standpoint of global growth, then it's very unlikely that we'll see capital flows reverse. I think interesting to note that since the Fed cut rates, actually the dollar's gone up. It hasn't gone down. And so, uh, you know, it, it, that the effect has actually probably gone somewhat in the reverse, maybe not because because the Fed has cut, but maybe because, like you said, their other countries are devaluing at the same time. And so there seems to be a little bit of sort of competitive devaluation here. I'm not sure that actively seeking a weaker currency here in the U.S. is going to be all that fruitful of a strategy. Right. Okay. So I think we agree that there may be less efficacy through both of those channels, but I think it's harder to dismiss the other two channels of monetary policy, right? So let's taking the credit channel, for example, we have seen that interest rate sensitive sectors have have shown signs of strain. Housing has uh, fallen for six straight quarters now. Housing certainly is is the main interest rate sensitive sector of the economy. The vast majority of buyers need to borrow when they're purchasing a home. So lower rates by the Fed, expectations that the Fed will cut more again in the future have led the 30-year mortgage rate to fall by a full percentage point. So some households will refinance existing mortgages, which will get them more disposable income. And and others may may say, look, a new home is now affordable, so I can borrow and, and buy that home that didn't seem affordable a year ago. It may take some time for this to, to filter through, but I see no ro- reason why it shouldn't. And, and second, I would say business investment in manufacturing is also interest sensitive. It's a very capital intensive segment of the economy. These are the firms that need money to build plants, hire workers, modernize to stay competitive. Manufacturing output is weak right now. It's fallen for two straight quarters. Lower borrowing costs should provide some support. Okay, so manufacturing has been under stress in the U.S. Actually, it's been under stress globally. Um, some notable uh, weakness in, in in very industrial heavy economies like Germany. Um, but I, I I think that I have a few issues with the line of reasoning around the around the credit channel. And it's not that I disagree in principle that the credit channel is important. It's that at some point lower rates stop having the same oomph for the economy. We've had rates 
be very low for a very long time. At some point, you know, having had zero interest rates in the aftermath of the crisis for many years, and even now at the peak, uh, uh, Fed funds never got uh, as high as 3%, um, it, low interest rates stop being so stimulative. At some point, you've already bought the car. You've already bought your washing machine. You don't need another house. Um, you've already built the plant that you're going to build and and hired the workers, and so you don't need uh, uh, to borrow additional money. You know, uh, 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 to economists, this is this is like saying interest rates are neutral in the long run. At some point, you just get you you just get less boost from ever from ever lower rates, and I'd worry that 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 we've already gotten what we could out, out of low rates in the economy. Second, I would say that. A lot of the examples that one can give about how lower rates are going to stimulate activity flow through the consumer, things like housing or or spending on autos. Uh, but consumer has already been the bright spot of the economy. We mentioned that manufacturing is slowing, but the economy is still growing over 2%. That's because consumer spending has been so elevated. Consumer spending has been supported by a strong labor market, but it's also been supported by consumer debt. It's at pretty high levels already, and I'm not sure that we actually want to push that too far. All right. So I would say we can we should just look at it then in terms of interest rate cuts as a stabilizing force. Maybe the point is interest rate cuts keep asset valuations high and borrowing costs low. I think we agree on that. And we, we count on the consumer to drive the economy, and lower rates does support their ability to do so. Maybe household spending doesn't accelerate from here, but the Fed is providing support underneath. Maybe lower rates mean household spending is unlikely to fall, and therefore, that's the insurance that the Fed is providing against all this trade policy uncertainty. That said, I'd argue the confidence channel is the most compelling channel and one that I think we need to discuss. So we have tariffs, trade issues, Brexit, slowing manufacturing. These are all concerns for the average business. If there's too much uncertainty, it's hard for business to plan, and they end up doing nothing. It means slower business spending, less business investment, and we've been seeing that. Rate cuts help bolster confidence. The Fed is taking action. It's demonstrating that it will take action to support the recovery, and in doing so, it can reduce uncertainty for business. Look, confidence matters for sure, but I think a 25 basis point cut is really going to do very little to mitigate the long list of concerns. That, uh, that businesses have right now. We have decades of globalization, of uh, supply chains being built that, that crisscross country borders and, and continents even. All of that is, uh, is being threatened uh, with reversal. Some of these supply chains have been built over 40 years of, 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 of you know, trade treaties, et cetera, that, that now companies are worried they'll have to completely reformulate those. A 25 basis point cut doesn't help a business who has to watch this trade tension play through and decide whether or not they're going to have to completely shift where they supply their goods from or, or how their manufacturing uh, processes work. I don't really see that the kind of confidence threats that we're seeing being that interest rate sensitive right now. So I actually share your concern that what the Fed has done might not be sufficient to bolster the economy through the confidence channel, which I think is the case for why the Fed should have done more and should consider doing more. I don't think they were bold enough. In my view, if confidence is the problem, then you need to do more than markets and business expect. You need to demonstrate your resolve by surprising markets. Go early, do more than is expected. That's how you really move the needle for companies, in my opinion. And in this cut, basically, market prices had anticipated a 25 basis, cut, uh, basis point cut. So you would say what the Fed did in July was what? 
effectively just meeting market expectations? Right, just meeting expectations, doing as little as could be justified at the time. Okay, so I have another broader concern that maybe is more political in in its nature rather than the economics of whether or not an interest rate cut would, would be uh, effective right now. And that's a lot of the noise and chatter that has preceded the Fed cut, in particular that's come out of the current administration. The cut in July risks looking like the Fed got browbeaten by the president into reducing interest rates. And that risks a loss of independence. Now, look, there's a lot of central banks out there in a lot of uh, countries who are somewhat beholden or entirely beholden to the political process in those countries. But in the United States, we have benefited from having a Fed that operates independent from the political process. And I think that uh, that markets may be left wondering whether the U.S. administration is sort of uh, forcing the Fed's hand into cutting interest rates, and then maybe that gives it a freer rein to do things like pursue tougher trade policies uh, or, 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 or more actively negotiate with in, in some of these ongoing tense situations, and that that risk of loss of independence in the Fed is a different kind of confidence in our system. That loss of confidence could have much more far-reaching and long-term negative consequences. The optics for the Fed are indeed bad. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. I think here I, I have two rebuttals. The first is I don't believe the Fed is being cowed into this. They're aware of the optics, and they've focused on responding to what incoming data is telling them about the outlook for the economy. Cutting rates despite bad optics is a sign of a willingness to do the right thing for the economy, and so therefore it could add to credibility if their policy is successful. Second, and this is really my, my main point on political risks to the Fed, imagine the world where recession risk is real right now, and the Fed doesn't act. It leaves monetary policy too tight, and the U.S. economy rolls into recession. Yes, the appearance of being beholden to politics puts them in a bad spot. But leaving policy too tight and contributing to a recession while inflation has never really hit 2%, that would be a much larger loss of credibility. In my view, they should just keep doing what they think is right and make the best case that they can in the process. All right, so you must think that they're going to have to cut further from here. That's right. We Currently, we expect them to cut by 50 basis points further by the end of the year, and risks are building in a way that suggests they may have to do more. Well, thanks for joining this episode of The Flipside. Clients can read our latest take on the interest rate moves in Be Careful What You Wish For from our Interest Rate Strategy Group and our updated U.S. Outlook, Once More Unto the Breach, both available on Barclays Live. That's all for now from this Barclays podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Flip Side. For more insights about this topic, clients can log into Barclays Live or find out more at barclays.com IB.